Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. Have you ever wondered how many many prophecies Jesus Christ fulfilled in his incarnation, when he came to earth. And I actually don't have an answer to that question. I have read answers to that at various times, and I have noticed that the numbers are not always identical. It depends on who's counting, and when we look at the prophecies that we see here in Matthew chapters 1 and 2, we can, I think, understand why there might even be some discrepancy in the numerology, the the counting of the prophecies. But one thing is clear, and that is that there were an enormous number of Old Testament prophecies fulfilled by the coming of Christ. And that in itself is a great validation of the Bible to be the Word of God. There are people on earth that make predictions, prophecies of various kinds, but most of them are not very accurate. In other words, well, If they're accurate 50% of the time, that's about the best you can expect. And if you're only just guessing, (laughs) you'd probably be accurate 50% of the time, right? I hope you understand what I'm saying. I remember years ago when a famous famous, uh, psychic, I guess she was called, used to appear in in in, uh, magazines, various periodicals from time to time, and she generally made predictions. I haven't seen anything about this woman for many years now, so I assume that she is probably now dead. But she used to make predictions at the beginning of the year for what would happen uh, through that year. So around the 1st of January, or maybe even a little bit, well, probably in the 1st of January or the end of December, she would list 10 things that are going to take place in the coming year. Now, the fact of the matter is, most people didn't keep track of these and wouldn't have any way of verifying whether they were true or not, because most people don't remember that long. But I noticed that after a while, some reporters began to, to save those predictions and then make a report at the end of the year on how many of them were accurate, and usually it was about 50% some psychic. And, of course, there would be explanations for that, but if you're only right half the time, that doesn't really sound very unusual, very amazing. It's wonder. It's a wonder that people would pay close attention to someone like that, but they always seem to have a following. Well, in the case of God's Word, the accuracy rate is 
Now that's hard to explain by anything except divine revelation. And that's exactly what we have. God who designs what will take place, God who tells us what will take place, and God who brings those things to pass unerringly. And so that brings us to our study of fulfilled incarnation passages in Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus Christ in chapters 1 and 2. Five incarnation prophecies, or five Christmas prophecies, if you prefer. And we have looked at three, and we're ready for number four. But first, I welcome you to this Thursday, December 29 edition of the Beacon Broadcast. We're getting mighty close to the end of the year. Thank you for your financial help, and it's not too late to consider a year-end gift for the Beacon Broadcast, and it would be such a wonderful help if you would do that. We've looked at three prophecies so far. Number one is the mystery of the Incarnation in chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's the prophecy found in Isaiah 7.14 about the virgin conception and thereafter birth of Christ. Number two is the birthplace of Christ. Chapter 2 and verse 6. But thou Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. A prophecy from Micah 5.2 telling exactly the location of the birth of Jesus Christ. That requires pretty good accuracy, doesn't it? These, these are not nebulous things. It's not like I've seen people make prophecies for the coming year and saying, well, this coming year is going to have some, some wars somewhere in the world. Well, the fact of the matter is, there are always wars going on somewhere in the world. They never cease. Now, some of them are more obscure than others, and we may not be aware of some of them going on. But yes, there are wars everywhere, or somewhere, I should say, in the world every single year. That is not a prophecy that requires any, any psychic powers. That's not even a prophecy that can be pinpointed. I mean, you can't go wrong on it. You really can't. But this one you could. If the prophet Micah said the Messiah will be born in Jerusalem, and then it ended up that he was born in Bethlehem, then we would have a glaring error. The prophet was wrong. He missed it, but he didn't. He prophesied Bethlehem, and that's exactly where Jesus was born, as we know, through unusual circumstances. We didn't go into that when we were looking at that particular prophecy, but why was Jesus born in Bethlehem instead of in Nazareth? You do know the answer to that, don't you? Mary and Joseph lived in Nazareth of Galilee, the northern part of the nation of Israel. So how did it come about that she gave birth in the town of Bethlehem, the, the city of David, where he was born? How did that come about? Well, it came about in the days of Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to his own town to be taxed. And Joseph was from Bethlehem and took Mary, his wife, to Bethlehem in order to be 
included in the census in his hometown. And so it was that while she was there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. He was born in Bethlehem because God moved upon the heart of Caesar Augustus years before the birth of Christ to make this proclamation that everyone would go to their hometown in order to be counted, a census, and taxed. Taxation goes with it. And that took Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem and fulfilled Micah's prophecy perfectly to the very detail. What was the third prophecy? The flight into Egypt. Matthew 2.15 And was there after Joseph, being warned by an angel, fled to Egypt with Mary and the Christ child, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. And that's a fulfillment of the words of Hosea 11, verse 1, which turned out to be something of a typological fulfillment a typological prediction, which I explained on the broadcast yesterday and won't take time to go back to today because we need to go on to number four, what we call usually the slaughter of the innocents. And so we continue reading. Verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem, And in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Herod was enraged. First, by the announcement that there was someone born in his country who was called the king of the Jews. And then even more enraged when the wise men, the magi from the east who came to worship him because of the star that guided them there, did not obey his instructions to come back and tell him where they found the child, but they went home another way. And so he was very, very angry And he ordered the execution of all male children, two years old and younger, according to the time that he had heard that he had been given by the wise men. All of this is very helpful in working out the chronology, but I'll not go into that right now. And so there was a great slaughter in in Bethlehem and in the surrounding areas, in the farms and small villages around Bethlehem. And that caused great lamentation, and we are told that this connects to the prophecy of Jeremiah, and we find that prophecy in chapter 31, verse 15 of Jeremiah. And we read almost the words that we just read in Matthew. Thus says the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. 
Well, Jeremiah's prophecy, as it turns out, relates to the deportation to Babylon. You can read that in the context. Ramah is actually a small city on the border of Israel and Judah, about five miles north of Jerusalem, where captives were assembled for deportation to Babylon. Rachel was the favorite wife of Jacob, who also was renamed Israel, and she bore to she bore to Jacob, Joseph, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin. Oh, let me take that back. She bore Joseph and Benjamin, but the tribe of Joseph was divided into two tribes and became Ephraim and Manasseh. So her son, Joseph, became the father of the tribes of Ephraim and Manasseh, and she also bore Benjamin. But she died in childbirth when she had Benjamin, was buried on the road to Bethlehem near Ramah. And there was weeping. We read it again. I'll read it this time from Matthew. A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. It's, a, it's kind of a strange um, conflation of ideas here. But Rachel was considered to be the mother of Israel, and she wept in childbirth. And now in Jeremiah's prophecy, she's pictured as weeping for the captives that are being taken away to Babylon. Pictured as weeping for the slaughtered infants of Bethlehem in Matthew's prophecy, or Matthew's account of the birth of Christ. And so, this is a fulfilled prophecy in the sense that it is filled up. The uh, slaughter is culminated in the slaughter of the innocents in Bethlehem. And there's a relationship here. It's more of a typological relationship similar to the previous prophecy. But nevertheless, we see it is a fulfilled prophecy. But my time is gone. I must come back tomorrow. Join me then. Good day. May God give you his peace.